1: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible
2: teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your wonderful words of life. Lord, their words of eternal life. And to who, else, to who else shall we go this morning but to you, for words that bring us eternal life, in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 10, verse 21. Two verses we're gonna look at this morning and they are, and the brothers shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth unto the end shall be saved. So in this section, we remember how the Lord is preparing his disciples, the ones who are gonna carry his message to the world for what they're gonna face when they go out in his name. And he has told them that as far as providing for their needs, you don't have to worry, is what he said, you don't have to worry Because he said in Matthew 10.10, the workman is worthy of his meat. And they're workmen. That's how they should look at themselves. They're workmen. And who are they working for? They're working for God. And who's the one who's going to see them as worthy of their meat? That's God himself. And so he's promised that God is essentially going to look at them and view them in the context of Hebrews 6.10, which says, God is not unrighteous, to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye minister to the saints, and do minister. In other words, God pays his bills. God pays his bills, and God pays for the work of his workmen. And so that's what he told them. He says, don't worry about providing for yourself extra shoes and walking canes and so forth. And then he's further, as he's gone on in this preparation for them, has caused them Don't be concerned, because you are going to face rejection. So he's prepared their their mental state. Don't think that when you go out into the world, that the world's going to open up their arms and say, oh, this is the message we've been waiting for, and it's so good, and we receive you, we receive the message. He said, don't think that. He says, to the contrary, look at yourself as sheep that are sent among wolves. And then he's told them that be prepared for the government to persecute you. He's told them that, and first of all, he's told them the religious elite are going to persecute you in verse 17, and then he's gone on, and he said the government themselves, and don't worry, he said, about exactly what you're going to say. Don't worry about the words. Don't be prepared in advance for what you're going to say to defend yourself before the government because he's told them When that comes time to happen, it's not gonna be you that are gonna speak. It's gonna be the spirit of your father that's in you, that's gonna speak through you and give you the words. So this is all by way of preparation, and he's told them to to prepare them. They're gonna face a very large and widespread persecution. What he's going to say to them in verses 20 and 21 here, because he's going to tell them that their own families are going to cause them to be killed. And that for them was just over the top. They had to, they, they couldn't imagine that. But the Lord looked at them and said, you've got to know this. You've got to know this. You've got to know this cold truth, how your own families are going to turn against you in verses 21 and 20, 22. So the Lord starts out by addressing the brother. The brother in the family, in verse 21, the brother shall deliver up the brother to death. It's a really special title, brother. I mean, uh, I've always kind of been intrigued by that term, brother, because I never had one. Never had a brother, never had a sister, I'm an only child. My parents had me and they said that was a bad idea, (laughs) we're not gonna do that again. (laughs) So, So all I could do is just kind of wonder about what it was like to have a brother. Well, I had three sons, and when they were growing up, I was kind of, um, sort of intrigued to watch them and to learn about the dynamics that happened between brothers. How many here today have a brother? Oh yeah, so I can see I'm in the minority. All right, so you all got brothers. Well, so you maybe you know about some of the dynamics that happen. I mean, uh, I watched as our boys fought among themselves and um, I remember how you know we packed them all into one room and on Lakeside they, that was their room they had them all in one room we had special beds built from triple bunk you know they were big beds and and uh, and I remember how our oldest was on the top and then the middle and then they were stacked in order of birth and you uh, And the middle one, Joseph, which was very, and always has been, very concerned about his rights, would be um, quite concerned when the oldest, David, would like drop his arm down or his leg into his space. And so he had these pins that he would jab into his brother's (laughs) arm or leg as his message that that's my space. So, you know, I watched all this, you know, going on, I thought, was. and what's, what's interesting is how the Bible s- says that a brother really steps up to the plate, and in, in a sense of even more than a friend, when there's trouble. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loveth at all time, but a brother is born for adversity. Now, what that verse can be seen is that, okay, a friend is is loving the old times, but when there's trouble that comes, adversity, that's when a brother is like born. That's when a brother is seen to be a brother. Brothers may fight with each other, but when there's trouble, they really steps in. And there may be fighting, but the Lord said, there is a special pleasantness. There is a special goodness when brothers are unified, when brothers are, and here's a verse in Psalm 133, one, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers, brethren, for brothers to dwell together in unity. And of all the the illustrations in the Bible about the dynamics between brothers, there's one that stands out more than any others, and that's the, the illustration, the history of Joseph with his brothers. You know, Joseph was the pinnacle of being mistreated by his brothers, but yet Joseph, even though he was so mistreated, he never ceased to honor his brothers. He was in a terrible prison in Egypt, and it was all because of his brothers. They caused him to be in that prison, and yet, even there, when even it says in Psalms that, that when he was in that prison that they put the shackles on him, on his feet that were too small and it caused his feet to hurt. And it says they heard him with fetters. And it says that the word of the Lord tried him in that state. And when it came time for Joseph to explain to some Egyptians why he was there, what happened to you? Why are you here What's the cause? And of course it was all his brothers that did that to him. It was Joseph at that time refused to blame his brothers. He refused to tell how, what happened. He refused to tell that his brothers had cast him into this pit to die there with no water in the desert. He refused to tell how his brothers only dragged him up out of that pit so that they can make some money and sell him into slavery to some Midianites who were going to Egypt. And of course when Joseph was explaining to this Egyptian what happened to him, he feels his temptation to get even with his brothers by telling the terrible things they'd done to him. He's got a chance at that point in prison with the Egyptians to strike back at his brothers to blame them, tell them horrible thing they did. But so interesting how when Joseph has this chance, he consciously refuses to do that. And instead, he tells the Egyptians in Genesis 40, verse 15, for indeed, I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. In here also, I've done nothing that they should put me into this prison. Stolen away? Bravo, Joseph, great brother. You resisted saying, my rotten brothers hated me so much they sold me into slavery. That's how I ended up here in in this prison in Egypt, but not Joseph. No, no, Joseph was a faithful brother, even his brothers that ruined his life by making him a slave and a prisoner, and essentially in Egypt. And Joseph said, oh, I, I was just kidnapped, stolen away, stolen away? Who stole you away, Joseph? Oh, who kidnapped you, Joseph? Oh, some kidnappers. I think they were Midianites. And what Joseph did was was what it says in Proverbs 10, verse 12, love covereth all sins. So don't you just love that picture of Joseph? I love that picture of Joseph explaining to the Egyptians how he ended up in, in Egypt, and can't you just see Joseph with the sins of his brothers right in front of him? that he's coming with like a blanket and he's covering those sins and as he gives this story about being kidnapped. And can't you just see in that same context the Lord Jesus with our sins before him and how the Lord Jesus steps up not with a blanket but with his own blood as a blanket to cover our sins? That's a picture of what a brother does. A brother is born for adversity when there's trouble, like the trouble of being accused of selling uh, selling a brother into slavery, a brother is born, Joseph, and he rises up to protect his brothers. When his brothers are in adversity, and they're dying from, from hunger and starvation, and they come to Egypt, and he sees them, and he says, and the temptation is, now's your chance, now you could really get even with them. But they're in adversity, and he gives them corn to feed them. A brother is born for adversity, and that's what makes the what the Lord says here so intense in verse 21 that brother shall deliver up the brother to death. It shows how the hatred against the Lord is so great that it breaks even this bond of this devotion, this loyalty, this the sense of I, I got to take care of my brother. This love that should be there between brothers. It's the hatred of the Lord's servants. It's a jealous hatred. It's a jealous hatred where a brother who is lost sees a brother who has been accepted by God and is saved, and he hates him for that because of that jealousy. This is exactly what happened between the first brothers on earth, which were Cain and Abel. As it says in Genesis 4.1, Adam knew his wife. She conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord, and it she again bare his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep, Cain was a tiller of the ground. Process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering in of the Lord. And Abel he also brought the first things of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. Cain was very wroth, his countenance fell. The Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, thou shalt thou not be accepted. If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up, those are important words, rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And that's the first brother that was angry, angry with his brother because God had accepted his brother and God had not accepted him. And that's the reason for the murder is because the Lord had respect to to Abel's offering but not to Cain and so Cain kills him. Jealous hatred against the Lord. It's so great it breaks the bond of the devotion and the loyalty and and the love that naturally exists between brother to brother. Then the Lord moves on to the Father. The Father, and he says in in that same verse that the Father is gonna deliver up the child to death. Here again, special title, the Father, it says, the child. You know, over the last three weeks, I spent a lot of time with that middle son with the pins, you know, Joseph. And during that time, three weeks, we were together. We had our moments of disagreements. We had our times of tension between us, and uh, and at one point, Joseph tried to encourage me by saying, "You know, Dad, three weeks is a lot of time to spend with anyone," he said. <laughs> and it's inevitable that there will be these times, and there were. But the thing that really impressed me during this week was when when Joseph was talking to someone else and he referred to me. It was interesting because for me, he didn't just refer to me as my father. You know, my father wants to do this, my father, whatever. But he referred to me as my dad. And for me, that was heartwarming. That was heartwarming because, I don't know, to me, My father sounds so biological, like my biological father, you know? But, you know, my father sounds so positional, you know? He's my father of my family, you know? But the title, my dad, is not biological. You know, you wouldn't say my biological dad. You know, the title of my dad is not positional. You wouldn't say, you know, the dad of my father, the dad of my family my dad is just to me it's a term of endearment it's a term of tenderness a term of love of appreciation it's like saying i love my dad and i love that my dad is my dad you know it's kind of like that you know and joseph, joseph refers to me as you know my dad you know to others that just warmed my heart it was just if he was saying i'm proud of my dad i'm proud to call him my dad you know i remember one time mike johnson you all know was telling me that about a time he was in New York City, and he was in New York City during the winter time, and he was at that ice skating rink that's in front of Rockefeller Center, at Rockefeller Square there, and he said that as he was watching the people skate around in this rink, he said he saw an Israeli father with his son there, Israeli father with his son on the ice, and there's a little boy they don't have a lot of snow and ice in israel so the new experience for him to be on ice skates and so the boy is is like you know is wobbling around he's ready to fall in any minute and he says the boy was just calling out abba 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 and which is equivalent to saying daddy or dad dad daddy It's a term of affection it wasn't just you know uh, it wasn't just uh, father 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 and uh and that warmed his heart and, and uh I remember also another time when, uh, when someone was asking our boys if it was okay to call me dad, and, and the other boy said, sure. But Joseph said he had to think about that, if he was going to share that term or not. So this is the relationship that should be. This is a relationship between a father and a child. It should be a relationship between a dad and a child, where the child loves to call his father dad. I mean, dad is a term of trust. It's a term of trust. A child runs to his dad when he's in trouble, and he he needs his father to be a dad, not just a father, be a dad, because a dad protects a child from trouble, and he shows his love for the child by protecting him. And that's what we see in one of the most tender scenes in the Bible of a dad and his son, a father and a son, and that's between Abraham and his son Isaac. It's just hard to imagine a more loving relationship between a father and a son than between Abraham and Isaac. I mean, Abraham had endured a hundred years of waiting and waiting for the time when he and Sarah could have a child, and finally, That great day came when a son was born to the couple, a miraculous son, a son born to Abraham and Sarah, where the Bible says that their condition at that time is described in Romans 419, where it talks about their condition. It says, being not weak in faith, he, Abraham, considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb so at that time Abraham knew that his own body at the age of 100 in terms of virility was as it says in Romans 4:19 dead now dead and at that time Abraham knew that Sarah's womb at the age of 90 was in the words of Romans 4:19 deadness the deadness of Sarah's womb but the miracle happened like a resurrection from the deadness from the dead state of Abraham's body, from the deadness of Sarah's womb. It was a coming of a child, a very special child, the only child that Abraham and Sarah would ever have, it was Isaac. And the baby's name was Isaac, which in the Hebrew means laughter, it's Yitzhak. And whenever they would think of themselves, Sarah, 90 years old, Abraham, 100 years old, having a baby together, there's only one response for that: laughter. That's funny. Yitzhak, Isaac. And as Isaac grows up, Abraham is only child with his wife Sarah. There's such a bond built between these two. It's a bond of love and devotion. Abraham is devoted to Isaac. As Abraham knew that Isaac was his only child with his wife Sarah and that his son was going to inherit all the promises. He was going to take everything that Abraham had built and done in his life, especially in, towards God. He knows that it is all going to pass on to Isaac, so Abraham pours himself into Isaac, his only son. He pours his time into Isaac as his only son. He pours his instruction into into Isaac as his only son. He protects Isaac as his only son because Isaac knows also from his infancy that when he was held by his father, Abraham, that those were the arms of a man who loved him, who was devoted to him, who protected him, who poured in his life to him. And because this term, Abba, or dad, is used by a child when he's in trouble, like ready to slip on the ice at Rockefeller Center, square there. And he knows those arms are strong, he knows those arms are protecting. And so he uses the term Abba or Dad. Abba comes from Avi, which has the meaning of my father. And for those reasons, the first time in the Bible that a child calls his father Avi, which is where the word Abba comes from, Dad, It comes when Isaac calls to Abraham, Avi.
1: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.